every beat is yours. You can have it all. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you can. Every beat is yours. You can have it all. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you can. Like only you can. A zeal for you completely consumes me. going on. This is a busy week with Easter and everything else coming up. So I'm going to have Pastor Katie fill us in on the announcements and just pay attention so you know what's going on. Amen. Amen. All right. Is trying to help us. Thank you, Mr. Tom. Let's hear it for Tom, everybody. It's all good. And the altar is open during worship. So whatever you got going on, you just bring it and you leave it right here. Okay, just right here. And then you walk away and you don't touch it. You leave it with Jesus. He'll handle it, okay? Amen. So I'm just telling you, smile and act happy. Jesus loves you. Okay, it's a good thing. All right, so here's your news for the week. The trailer is going to be removed this week. Yes. Jesus. Um, we got a second dumpster because it wouldn't fit in one, so it's going to take a little bit longer, but please, please, don't be curious. Stay away from it. Um, lots of you joined the Zoom Bible study this week. Yeah, that was really on. cool. And if you would like to join it and didn't get a chance to, the link is on Facebook, but you can also stop and leave your information at the info booth, and we'll get that to you this week as well. It's on the second and fourth Tuesday at 6.30, and you don't have to leave your house. It's great. Okay, guess what's next Sunday? 
Easter. Come on. Thank you for being asleep. Okay. Resurrection Sunday is next Sunday. You can call it Easter. We'll give you a pass. But it's the day that we celebrate that Jesus is alive. So it's going to be awesome. Saturday, there's going to be some setup going on out here. And Miss Leah has a crew that's coming Sunday morning at 8 a.m. So there's some sign-up sheets at the info booth if you would like to participate in that next weekend with all the setup. Also, this weekend, today, 2 to 5, Billy's Kitchen in town and Party Mania are doing... A big event and some of our church is going to be there as well so if you want to you know go around there you can do that also next sunday with resurrection sunday going on no east no evening service young adults is coming saturday april 15th at six means at 11 a.m Amen. so if you're 18 to 25 ish and you feel like man i'm out of youth group and I don't really have any friends and I feel so lonely at church and church is weird. That's okay. Go to Six Beans on Saturday the 15th, 11 a.m. Today is also general store. So you're going to pick up your kids in this room upstairs. So to your right hand side, when you make it up the stairs, all the students will be up here. If you have not participated in general store, your kids have not before. General store is where they use the points that they've earned. In class, when they memorize a memory verse or they participate or they just show up, they get points. And if it's their first Sunday here, they get whatever they want out of the general store. So it's a really cool way for them to enjoy serving the Lord and being at church. So don't forget to enjoy that with them after service. And ladies, are you ready? We've got all kinds of fun things going on and coming up. Next weekend is women's. Yes, next Friday, 6.30 in Victory Hall. You're going to bring a salad or a casserole to share. We're going to eat. And Miss P is going to share about seven things. Is it the seven things the Lord hates? It's seven just things. seven things. Seven things. Just seven things. Six beans and seven things. Come on, somebody. Six beans for the young adults and seven things for the ladies. 6.30 next Friday in Victory Hall. And then also coming in May, we do a Mother's Day thing. And for Mother's Day, we trade off each year, whether it's going to be mother, daughter, or mother, son. This year is mother, son. It's going to be a big country breakfast on May 13th in the morning. So next week, we'll have more information on that, and the tickets will be available at the information booth. Okay. If you're with us for the first time, or the first time in a long time, can you wave at me? We have something we want to bless you with. welcome you. Anybody? Okay. Everyone here together is family. Amen. Praise God. All right. Very good. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, amen. It's happy time because God loves a cheerful giver. Pastor is going to come up and do the Sunday morning uh, tithes and offerings. Hey, did everybody get an Easter invitation last week that they could hand out this week? You got one? All right. Who is actually going to invite somebody to hear the gospel next Sunday? Oh, this should be 100% participation, people. This is your greatest chance of the year to get somebody to come in and hear the good news that Jesus is alive. And so I'm encouraging you. We'll be putting this online uh, this week also. But make sure that you take advantage of this opportunity while people's hearts are especially open and receptive to hearing the good news. Amen. So invite somebody and we're going to preach the gospel right to them. Amen. All right. Good preaching. Katie did a good job. And you know what? 
I really look up to you when you're up here. You're bigger than me up here. <laughs> That's a family joke. All right, hold up your hands. You need an envelope for your tithes, for your offerings. And the usher will be more than glad to serve you. And open up your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And how, how, how many really know that the Bible is your success in life book? If you want to succeed in life, you need to have a good Bible, and you need to open it up and read it regularly. And I, I'm thinking about the times we live in. How can you not think about the times we live in? They're different than any time in history. Of course, every generation is that way. But right now, with the economy, uh, people fighting each other. And I was thinking about what uh, Katie said a minute ago about seven things the Lord hates. Mrs. Pastor could be teaching all that to the women. And I, I, as she said that, I had this thought. Christians need to know that he didn't say the seven people that he hates. <laughs> Amen. God doesn't hate people, but he hates the actions of some people. And so we need to find out what the actions is that he hates, and then find out what the actions is that he loves, and start acting more on the love. Amen? That, that's Mr. Pastor. I hope I didn't preach your sermon. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just know this. If you're a people hater, you're not a friend of God. Amen. you got to be a people lover and hate what some people do, but pray for them to change what they do. Amen? All right. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our fears. Let us hold fast the confessions about how bad things are. Let's hold fast to confession of things are getting bad and worse. Confession of our what? Our faith without wavering for his faithful that promised. And to hold fast the confession of your faith is to hold fast the confession of what God says about your life. What God says about your family. What God says about your money. What God says about your health. And since this is a times and offering time, if we're going to hold fast the confession of our faith, that means we're going to say what God says about our finances. Now, I want you to look at Malachi chapter 3. And if you're a Christian, been saved very long, been around here very long, then you know this. But we call this tithers' rights. Tithers have rights that God gave them. Has anybody here ever had a union job or have a union job now? Well, you know, there's some rights that union members have. There's some benefits union members have. And the, the, better, the better you know your contract and you work in life for your contract, then the better you're going to get the benefits of your contract. And so the Bible is actually God's contract with man. And in Malachi chapter 3, I'm going to look at verse 10 through 12. And if you're going to hold fast the confession of your faith concerning your finances, then you're going to hold fast your confession of what Malachi chapter 3 says about your money if you do what God says to do. I'm thinking about what... <clears throat> I'm a retired teamster, of course, I'm a preacher, but I was in teamsters for a lot of years. And back when I was in teamsters a long time ago, all teamsters was was trucking. And there's a lot of other things they do now. But the main thing is, the contract said that you as the employee are required to do this. And if you do these things that it says to do, then here's what the company has to do for you. And so here, in God's contract, God tells us what's required of us concerning our finances that God tells you what his contract with you is and what he will do. And the times we live in, 
God is more sure than what the government will do for you. God is more sure than what the railroad or the military will do for you. How many know that God's more sure? Okay, he says in verse 10, Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat or food in my house. Well, Jesus said that man shall live by, live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so God's word is God's spiritual food. God wants spiritual food in your storehouse. Your storehouse is your church where God has things stored up for you to receive to succeed in life. And so God said, bring 10%, 10% of your income into his storehouse so it'll be food in his house. So he said, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and how many know what a wind is? And there's two ways a window can be. It's either open or closed. And he's talking to covenant people here. And so God's telling covenant people, I want to open the windows for your family. And so for God to open the windows of heaven for your blessing, he says, here's what you do. You open the windows by breaking the tithe in. And so if there's two things, either a closed window and an open window, there's a lot of Christians that are going to go to heaven because the only, the only requirement for going to heaven is receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're saved. But to have heaven's blessings on earth, you need to have it open the windows on your natural life. They're open for spiritual life when you see Jesus, but then you live in a natural world. And God said, I've, I've got my blood in one hand to cover your sins. Now I've got my other hand open to break 10% to get the blessing on earth. Amen? And so he said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive it. And the blessing he's talking about is not a one-time blessing. Oh, I got blessed today. I really got blessed today. No, the blessing is called a blessing flow. It's a river. And when you get in the river, God's blessing, uh, we've seen a little water around here lately, back where I came from, where I lived for a lot of years, the rivers flowed pretty much all the time. And when they had that current going, I've been in a boat in those rivers before, all your job is in a boat with a fast current is to steer the boat. Because if you don't, it might, you might uh, land somewhere you don't want to land. And so this river of blessing that God's talking about, when you're a consistent tither, all you have to do is steer the boat. Just keep going the right direction because the blessings pour out on you. And then he says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And I'll tell you, the devourer is not. The devourer is not politicians. It's not bosses. The devourer is not uh, people that's trying to take your money. Satan is the devourer. And there's nothing in the natural you can do to win a battle over Satan. It takes God. God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And I know back in those Teamsters days, uh, we cut through a stretch of Teamsters years and years and years ago, I guess about 40 some years ago now, a lot of trucking companies started going out of business. Well, I knew that God was my source. And so if one went down, I said, well, glory to God, plenty more of that came from. He got me the last job. He'll give me this one. Because God was the one that was blessing me. He is the one who rebuked the devourer. So wherever you are in life right now, if you're a faithful tither, then you got to start claiming your rights. And that's why we do this financial faith confession. Because we're saying things that agree with God's words. And that's how faith works. You hear the word. You confess the word. You act on the word, and then God honors his word. Amen? Amen. So he says that he will rebuke the devourer, that all people will see our life, and they'll call us blessed.
How many like to be called blessed? Amen. We don't want somebody to talk about me and said, Ah, poor old Bernie, man. He can barely make it. Poor old Bernie. He's a Christian. No, they say blessed Bernie. Blessed Pastor Samples. He's a blessing. Amen. Well, let's stand up, make our financial faith confession. And like Pastor Katie said a minute ago, when you bring when you bring your your tithes, your offerings up to the altar, stay up here, worship God up here at the altar with it. Stay up here and thank you for what he's doing. Amen. And uh, just be blessed. Let's make this confession together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, states and inheritance, and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meeting all my financial needs. I have more than enough to take care of my family, get just to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar as we worship today. And we're going to sing to the Lord together. Where is your sin? 
see the light. We're standing on his word. We're standing on your word, Lord.
your name today. And Lord, we know each one of us in here have seen you move some mountains. We've seen you do some impossible things in our life that there's no way we should have made it through that. But you made a way where there was no way, Lord. And so we lift your name up today. Hallelujah. On this Palm Sunday. And we say Hosanna to the King of Kings. We lift your name high, Jesus. And we thank you. You said if you be lifted up from the earth, you would draw all men unto you. And so we lift you up today and we say, Jesus, have your way in this service, Lord. Speak to us. Tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, Lord. We want the truth because we know that the truth will set us free, Father. And so we thank you, Jesus, that you are having your way today. And we give you the glory for it and the praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can somebody give the Lord a shout of praise today? Amen. He is good and His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats and it wouldn't hurt you at all to give someone a high five or a nice little hug on the way there. Amen. This is a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. And as we said earlier, what a wonderful time of the year. Uh, We're celebrating right here the resurrection Sunday, the Easter season. Amen. Amen. It's going to be a great time today. Well, as we've mentioned a couple of times here, today is what we call Palm Sunday. And it is, uh, it has come to my attention over the years that, you know, sometimes maybe in like Catholic churches or some other denominational churches, they do a pretty good job of letting you know what some of these specific days and Sundays are. And many times, uh, you know, a lot of people in, uh, the evangelical world and, uh, in our type of churches, they don't fully understand and appreciate what some of these days are. And so today we're going to be discussing Palm Sunday and what it is. And I've been asking people, you know, the last several days, hey, well, you know, what's this Sunday? I don't know. There's a Sunday. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> what is it? Well, it's Palm Sunday. Can you tell me what that is? And so many people can't really tell me what that is. And so I want to teach on this today, but I want it to not just be an educational moment. I'm going to show you three important things that happened within this seven day period that we call Holy Week. And so today being Palm Sunday, if you look in your Bible, it's in all four Gospels. And have you ever realized that uh, out of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the book of John usually doesn't include very many of the same stories that the other three Gospels include. And so we call those three Gospels the Synoptic Gospels because they basically tell the exact same stories just in a little bit of a different angle. And so Matthew may tell it one way and then Mark comes in. Mark is the shortest gospel. And if you like to speed read and just get straight to the point, the gospel of Mark is your book because he doesn't tell all the extra details. He just gets right to the point. Amen. And
And then you got the book of Luke, and it's a little more detailed because Luke was a physician. He was a doctor, and so he goes into great detail on several of these stories. And then you get to the book of John, which was the last one written out of all four. And so he probably intentionally didn't want to retell the same stories they told. But what I'm getting at is this, is the story of Palm Sunday, or uh, or, or the, the entrance into Jerusalem, is a story that all four of the Gospels share. And it's an incredible story, and most of your Bibles will probably label it the triumphal entry. Because it was on this day, 2,000 years ago, that Jesus had done what he was going to do in all the regions around there in Israel, and he knew, okay... It's coming down to my time. I've got seven days uh, before, you know, we save the world here. And so on this day, this Palm Sunday, Jesus Christ entered in to Jerusalem knowing that he was basically stepping in to his death sentence, knowing that five days later they were going to murder him. And so he rides in there, and we're going to read this story here, I think out of Matthew's Gospel in just a second. But he comes into town, and all these people are like... Yes, we've got a king on our hands. They're waving their palm branches. They're shouting, Hosanna to the highest. Praise the son of David. And they were so excited because a lot of them had a false idea of who Jesus really was. And I'm going to explain that. Some of them got it. And then a whole lot of other people, they loved him, but it was because they didn't actually know why he was coming. And so we're going to look at some parallels today from 2,000 years ago to where we are right now in 2023. And there's a lot of people that will say, yeah, I love Jesus. And sometimes they love him because they've got a misconstrued idea of who he actually is and what he does. They like their idea of who he thinks, who they think he is. But you need to know who Jesus really is. And we need to love him for all the right reasons. Amen. And so I want to read this story, though, of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Let's look to Matthew chapter 21. Amen. Who's excited to learn a little bit today? Amen. One of my goals this year has been to educate us a little bit more on some biblical topics. And uh, that's our whole theme for the year is Colossians 3. And, it, uh, and it's talking about uh, let our roots grow down into him, right? That's been our theme for the whole year. And some of that is we're learning a little bit more Bible maybe on some things than what we normally teach on. Hey, if you want an outline for the message, my boys back there, Robert and Cletus, they're just itching to hand some paper out. If you need an outline, raise your hand, and they would love to give you an outline so you can follow along today. Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 21. And if you'd like to read this uh, this story out of the other Gospels, it is in Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. You can read it out of any of those different Gospels and maybe see a little bit of a different light. But here's Matthew, who was a disciple. This is an eyewitness account of what happened that day. This man was there. And so Matthew chapter 21, and we'll look here at verses 8 through 11. It says, Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Amen. 
blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. Come on. They were excited and they loved that this was a son of David. And you'll understand that more in a minute. But one reason was David was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was a military man. And these people, that's what they were looking for in a Messiah. They wanted a fighter. They wanted somebody that knew how to get in there. And so they're praising him. They say, praise God in highest heaven. Verse 10, the entire city of Jerusalem. This is a big city. The entire city was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so as you can see, Jesus, he caused a whole scene coming into town. Even, I mean, everybody showed up. Some of the people were there because they hated his guts. Some, But most of the people were praising and saying, Oh man, this is the guy that's going to rescue us. And they were thrilled to have him there. But as you know, this is just the first day of this Holy Week on Sunday and by Friday, the same people that were saying, praise Jesus, were saying, kill Jesus. The same people that loved him on Sunday hated his guts by Friday. Why is that? And that, I mean, it, 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 it's human nature to be able to change that quickly to go from love and adoration to pure hatred within a week's time. It's incredible. And as we, as I've read this story my whole life, I'm like, how could they turn on the man that quickly? What did he possibly do to tick them off? Well, one obvious answer is that he was just doing the will of God. It had been prophesied for thousands of years that a Savior would come and would die for the sins of everybody else. So you can't stop that from happening. But I'm going to look at a few other reasons today as to how the love for Jesus turned to hatred for Jesus, how Hosanna to the King turned to crucify him and kill him. And, and, and one of the things that I want you to see about this interesting phenomenon that took place within one week's time is that it can still happen today. Now, believe it or not, it may be hard to believe, but still to this moment, the majority of the population does believe there is a God and the majority of people do believe that Jesus at least existed. Now, whether they'll say, you know, he was the son of God or the Messiah. But what I see so often in modern day America is most people, not everyone, but most people will say, yes, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. They'll say that, but their actions don't back that statement up. And, and, and so you'll see it so often, maybe some foul-mouthed musician or singer, they'll get up and win an award. I want to give the praise to Jesus Christ, my King. And then the next day, they're on the internet somewhere, using his name in vain and cursing people out and spreading his name through the mud. And I'm like, please, 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 never again give Jesus credit for the award you won for singing a disgusting, filthy song. He had nothing to do with it. Amen. And so, listen, and so many times in our world, 
You'll see it, man. I was at a local establishment a while back, and I usually refrain from going around broadcasting to the world that I'm a pastor because then people, they, they talk to you different. And it's, it's hard to explain. It's just weird sometimes. And so I was at a local establishment, which will remain, name, remain nameless. And so the guys working there, they were smoking weed and stuff in the back of the shop. And, 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 then, and then, you know, they're just using the most filthy language you've ever heard in your life. It would make, uh, a, you know, a sailor blush the things that they were saying. And then uh, somehow someone, I think, recognized me. Hey, Pastor Dave. I was like, shut your mouth, all right? <laughs> Don't. And so then all of the blasphemies and the weed, it got put to the side. Praise the Lord, you're a preacher? Oh, my God. God bless you. You guys just don't, you know, you don't get enough credit and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, hey, hey, I, I love the Lord. He's number one in my life. Over this place, Jesus is Lord. And I'm like, amen. God bless you. What do you say to that? Hey, all right, yeah, all right, amen, okay. <laughs> I was born at night, not last night, come on, yeah. And so, uh, but praise God, but you see that type of thing. And so, it's easy to see how out of the same mouth, out of the same people can come praise Jesus, and then a few days later bring curses to his name and absolutely say, hey, crucify him. And there's a few reasons, and I'm going to tell you to this. Number one today, well, let's go through these. Number one. How did the people turn on Jesus so quickly? He did not change to be what they wanted him to be. He didn't change to be who they wanted him to be. Now, everybody wants Jesus to be what they want him to be, right? Everybody wants Jesus to affirm and and endorse whatever it is that they're going with. If you've got your own plans and agenda, hey, you want Jesus to be in agreement with it. And a lot of the time, hey, praise God he is, but some of the time he's not. And I'm going to tell you this right now, you will never change Jesus to be something that he is not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. He doesn't need to change because he's perfect. What does a perfect person change to? Nothing. He's reached perfection. There's nothing better that he could be. And so I have reached this place in my life where I'm like, hey, if me and Jesus aren't lining up and seeing eye to eye, then I'm wrong and he's right. He's not going to change, so I'm going to have to change. And so what we have here in this incredible week, really a four or five day period that we're looking at, is many of the people that were waving those palm branches and praising the son of David, it's because they thought that Jesus was coming as a Messiah or as a king to come and overthrow the Roman government. They're like, hey, here, this guy, all right, he's going to come and rescue us from the Romans, because the Israel people, the Jewish people, they were under captivity by the Romans at the moment, and they hated their guts, and I don't blame them. You had Roman soldiers patrolling the streets. I mean, if they said you had to give them some money, you had to do it, or they'd beat you up, or they'd kill you. You had to do whatever it is that they said to do. Can you imagine as being a free citizen of the United States, some other nation's army moves in and just takes over us? And we got to start doing what they say. And their soldiers are patrolling the streets, telling you where you can go, where you can't go. And hey, give me your, give me your, give me your lunch money. I don't want to. 
You know, they're like the bully on the playground. It's awful. And so the Jewish people hated the Romans, and they had been praying and waiting for the moment that a Savior would come in and annihilate the Romans. Well, people are calling, hey, this Jesus guy, he is a Savior. He does do miracles. He's got power. And so all these people, their idea of what Jesus is isn't somebody to save them from their sins. They think that he's someone to save them from their captors, from the Romans. And so Jesus rolls into town, and a lot of people are expecting a bloodbath. They're like, man, this guy's going to kill the Romans for us. And you'll see throughout that week, time and time again, he's like, no, that's that's not why I'm here. I didn't come to do that. And after a few days, people are like, wait a minute. He's not who we thought he was. And sometimes I've talked to people even in our day and age where they maybe prayed something to Jesus or asked something of him. And if it's not in line with his word and his will, he's not going to answer that prayer. And like, hey, I thought he was real. I thought this. Well, listen, he's not going to do something for you that does not line up with the word of God. You can't pray for Jesus to go kill your enemies. Do you know that? Not very many of you know that. That's scary. Okay, listen. If you're praying for Jesus to go squash your enemies, don't do that. (laughs) That's not what this is all about. And so time and time again throughout this week, Jesus let some people down because he wasn't there to fight and annihilate. He was there to die, to save us from our sins. And so people in our day and age are guilty of the exact same Thing. They've got it all figured out how Jesus should do his job. I know none of you are like that, but I think maybe a time or two I thought I knew how Jesus should be doing his job. Who in here loves it when other people know how to do your job better than you do? It's great, man. I love it. Everyone knows how I should do my job. It's awesome. But listen to me. You don't know how Jesus should be doing his job. And you don't know enough to tell Jesus where he's going wrong because he's not going wrong. And so as long as Jesus seemed to be in agreement with them and they think he's approving of and endorsing their agenda, they love him. But the second that they realize that's not the case, they turned on him. And so again, I repeat to you this morning, Jesus isn't going to change himself to be what you think he should be. You're going to have to change to be who he called you to be. And so we're going to look here at Matthew 22. Now, all of the passages that I'm going to turn to today are events that took place during this seven-day period known as Holy Week. So let's look this morning at Matthew 22. And we're going to look here at verses 17 through 22. Matthew 22, verses 17 through 22. And so here's an example of some people setting Jesus up. They think they're going to pull a quick one on him, but you can't outsmart Jesus, even back then. And so Matthew 22 and verse 17, so a group of Pharisees, they they brought this to him. They said, now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And so they're like, so basically they're saying, what do you think about Caesar? What do you think about the Roman government? This is a setup. 
If he says, hey, I, I love him, everyone's going to say, we knew it. You aren't one of us. You're a traitor. Or if he said, I hate him, death to Caesar, then he's got a whole other wrong thing on his hands. This is a bad situation. But look at this, verse 18. Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked them, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them, and they went away. You don't understand the wisdom that Jesus operated in in this moment. He answered that better than anybody could ever answer it. He didn't say, death to Rome, let's overthrow the government. He didn't say that, but he also didn't say, the government's better than God. No, he said, hey, you do what you're supposed to do here, but you better not neglect to give to God what belongs to God. They had no idea how to handle this man. And so it ticked the Pharisees off who already didn't like him. And then there's probably a whole other bunch of people there that they, again, wanted Jesus to be a military Navy SEAL, come in and kill everybody. And they're like, oh, that's not what we wanted to hear either. So Jesus, you need to learn this for your life. He didn't say what he thought people wanted to hear. He said what God wanted to hear. Amen. And listen, you better learn now before you get a day older that it is a futile effort to try to make everybody around you happy. Just make God happy. You will never make everybody else happy. If you make this group happy, it's going to tick them off. You make this group happy, it's going to tick them off. You can't do it. It's a lose-lose situation. The only way to win in life is to live to please the Father. Learn that now and save yourself some headaches. Amen, Pastor Dave. That's a pretty good word. Hallelujah. All right? And so, in fact, Jesus, he, he kept telling them, I'm not here for a fight. And, and, and I'm not flipping here, but to John 18, 36, when he was on trial with Pilate, he told Pilate, hey, man, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. I, I, I'm a king, yeah, but it's not of a kingdom here on earth. If it were, my followers would fight. They would. They would fight to keep me from being arrested. And so he keeps saying, hey, we're not here to fight. We're doing this a different, we're going to save the world. We're going to change it forever, but it's not going to be the way that you think it's supposed to be. And how many times in our life, I'm just saying it again, man, you have a perfect idea of how God should do his job and save you, don't you? Man, okay, if I did this and I, and I won the lottery, then I could have $400 billion. That, that's it. God, I, I know how you should get money to me. No, that's not. Or God, if you could just do this. No, listen, he'll save you, but it's going to be in his way. Amen? And that's what these people didn't understand. Look at John 15. John 15, and we're going to go to verse 18. Because I want to I want to look at something Jesus told his disciples, but it's also to us in 2023. So who in here is a disciple of Jesus? You know, amen? You're, a, you know, there's certain people. Anyway, I won't go into that teaching today. That's one of my favorite topics to discuss, but... Uh, praise God. There are converts, people that have converted to Christianity, and then there's a whole other group called disciples where they would give up anything and do anything that Jesus says to do. And so 
If you're a real disciple of Jesus, what he's saying to these disciples right here, it applies to you today in 2023. So John chapter 15, and we're going to look here at verses 18 through 19. John 15, 18 through 19. And Jesus caught on to something that you need to know right here. He says, listen, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. You understand that, right? When you became a Christian, you stepped away from all of that, and you became a citizen of a whole new kingdom, the kingdom of God, and now they hate you because you won't do the things you used to do. You won't live your life for them anymore. You live your life for him, and that rubs some people the wrong way. Who in here, when you became a Christian and stepped away from your old life and made some people angry? Yeah? Like, who do you think you are? How dare you? You think you're better than us now? No, I didn't say that. I'm just, I just, I, I'm doing a new thing now. I, I, I'm, I'm living a new way. And it makes some people mad because it's not the way that they thought you should be living your life. People like to have control over you. Have you realized that? Anybody? They, yeah. I mean, you're, maybe your ex-spouse or something. I don't know. But they really like controlling you. And when you give Jesus control, it makes some people angry. And that's what happened here. And so Jesus said, they'd love you as one of its own if you belong to them. But you are no longer part of the world. Here it is. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. It hates you. They hated Jesus. They hated him first. And now there's people that are going to hate you because of what you stand for. And so I can imagine someone complaining to Jesus about how mean people are. And him saying, hey, join the club. So one of my favorite memes of all time, I'm sharing this with you today. Uh, one of my favorite memes is this picture from when they filmed The Passion of the Christ. It's Mel Gibson talking to the bloody Jesus right there. It's me complaining to Jesus about how mean everyone is to me. Do you not get that? <laughs> He's like, yeah, they were a little bit mean to me too. Like, What are you, you going to do about that? Anything that I bring to Jesus, you just don't know how it is. Somebody said something mean about me. Somebody gave me a dirty look and I just can't take it. And here he is all bloody to try and be like, I understand. They're there. It'll be okay. I mean, that's how comical this is sometimes. But it's the flat out truth. Nobody's been meaner to you than they ever were to Jesus. Guarantee it, right? But what were some of his final words? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Don't hold it against them, God. Forgive them. Let it go. And that's what Jesus said for his father to do. And, you know, he said something right there in verse 19. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you now. And if you're living the true life of a Christian, a Christ follower, you're going to receive some hate. Uh, that's the flat out truth. In fact, in Second Timothy uh, 3, it says, All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's inevitable. If you live your life the way the Bible says to live it, you're going to get some hate. And people will like you as long as you agree with them and do what they say, right? They'll, they're fine with you at that point. But when you choose to live your life like Jesus says, some people are going to hate you. And I'll even go a step further and say, if you don't ever receive any pushback because of your beliefs, 
you're probably not doing this thing totally the right way. Listen, I've heard it said this way. The only way you're never going to have a head-on collision with the devil is if you're both headed the same direction. If you're doing this thing the way Jesus said to do it, you are going to have some head-on collisions with the devil and with some of his people, and you're going to make some people mad. It's not my intention. I don't intentionally offend people, but simply by saying, hey, I can't go with that. That's going to make some people mad, and that's all it takes, but that's all right. They killed Jesus for it by the end of the week, but for us, we just need to know that sometimes not everybody's going to love you and like you. Let's go on to point number two, because point number one went over really, really well today. Number two, he called them out on their issues. He called them out on their issues. Let's look at Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21 Again, we're mainly going to be in Matthew and John today, mainly Matthew, but Matthew chapter 21. And so everybody loved Jesus until he started saying, hey, man, you can't, you're not supposed to do that. What? How dare you? Are you judging me? You're a blah, 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 You know, same thing today. Hey, I didn't judge you. I just said, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. But Matthew 21, verses 12 through 13. And so here we have just one of the just warmest, fuzziest, feel-good stories of the entire Bible. Everybody loves this story. Matthew 21, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 13. So Jesus, he had come into Jerusalem. He wants to go see the temple, his father's house, as he called it, the house of the Lord. And when he gets there, he does not enjoy what he sees upon entry into the temple. And so Matthew 21 and verse 12, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Can you imagine Jesus kicking the chair out from underneath you? That's, I mean, that's not the Jesus I pictured. I didn't see that coming. He said to him, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. And so apparently some of the people that he kicked their chairs over and flipped their tables on him, they didn't appreciate that version of Jesus. They liked the version of Jesus. Mainly put that picture on the screen. This is They liked that Jesus right there, all right? Just, you know, uh, holding a gentle lamb, the halo. And personally, I like that version too. That's great. I love all of Jesus, but, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Can I get an amen? All right. And so everybody loves, you know, that Jesus to snuggle them and cuddle them and say, you're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. You know, they, they want Jesus to affirm them and praise God. He does that a lot of the time, but they didn't get that Jesus. Mainly next picture. They got combat Jesus. Let's go. Yeah. Tim, do you like that version of Jesus? Tim likes that version, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so Jesus comes in and he layeth the smack down on people that are disrespecting his father's house. There's both versions of Jesus there. Amen. And so depending on how you're behaving, you know, you want the cuddle Jesus, but some days you may get the Jesus with a bullwhip flipping your table over and kicking your chair up from underneath you. Amen. Can we get an amen today? There's another cute story in Scripture. Uh, turn to Mark 12, another fuzzy. People love this one. Gives you the feels. Amen. And so it's a story. It's called the parable of the evil farmers. Who loves the story of the evil farmers? 
Yeah, it's a good one. Amen. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but started reading the whole thing. I'll catch you up on it and then we'll read the last part of it. But in Mark 12, Jesus told the parable of the evil farmers. And so in this parable, in this story, a man had a successful vineyard full of grapes. He let some other farmers rent it from him. And then he moved out of the country to do his business elsewhere. So at the time of the grape harvest, the man that actually owns it all, he sends one of his employees, hey, it's harvest time, go collect our share of the harvest, that's our payment for these guys that have leased our farm, our vineyard. And so the employee gets there, they beat him up, they smack him, they pull his underwear up over his head and send him on his way, get out of here, twerp. They send him out, and so uh, the owner of it all, he sends another worker. They do the same thing time and time again, and eventually they kill the employee that comes to collect the rent. And so finally, the owner of it all says, okay, I'm going to send my one and only son to them because that's the same thing as me going. They're not going to, they won't do anything to my son. Well, his son goes and they do the same thing. They kill the owner's only begotten son. You see the parallel? And so Jesus is telling this story to the people of Israel saying, God sent people time and time again, but you would reject them. And then finally God sent his only begotten son, and you're going to do the exact same thing to him. And so they didn't like that. Look at Mark 12, verse 12. They got mad when they realized who this story was all about. And so the religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers, but they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Now, as I read the Gospels, one of my favorite things about Jesus is that he was such a master at telling a good story that he had people on the edge of their seat willing to go kill the wrongdoer only to realize that the whole story was all about them. Like, ooh, when we get that guy, let me find the, oh, I'll kill him. And then Jesus is like, eh, it's you. <laughs> and people are like, hey, I like the picture of Jesus cuddling a lamb. What happened here? But Jesus was great at this, man. And, and so this ticked the people off once again. And people today are the exact same way when Jesus is giving inspiration and saying, golly, you can do it. Amen. Uh, They love him. But the second he says, hey, you're not perfect. Why don't you take care of the log in your own eye before you deal with the speck in your brother's eye? Then they get really angry at Jesus. And uh, you're a judger. You're a blah, 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 blah. And they turn on him. And the same thing happens today. I was reading an article from a Christian counselor uh, this week about a man he was trying to help. A very interesting story. He said, that the, talking about this guy he was counseling, he may have been the hardest person I've ever counseled. He was self-assured and controlling. He argued for the rightfulness of everything he had ever done. He acted like the victim when in fact he was the victimizer. He had crushed his marriage and alienated his children. He loved himself and had a wonderful plan for his life. It was his will in his way at his time. He made everyone a slave to his plan or he drove them out of his life. He made incredible sacrifices to get what he wanted, but scoffed at the sacrifices God called him to make. Like, wow, man, sounds like a 
Sure. <laughs> anyway, but in a moment of grace, I will never forget, he quit fighting, controlling, and defending. He asked me to stop talking and said, wait, I, I get it. I've been so busy being God that I've had little time or interest in serving God. And the counselor said, it was one of the most accurate moments of self-diagnosis I had ever experienced. And I'm I'm just going to say it's beautiful when someone finally gets it. Jesus wasn't calling people out because he hated them. You understand that, right? When the Lord deals with you on something you're doing wrong, it's not because he hates you. It's because he loves you and he can see that you're going to wreck yourself. You're going to destroy yourself. And so when Jesus, when the Bible, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, it's not because he's some controlling, demanding taskmaster. It's because he's like, no, no, hey, you're going to hurt yourself. Put that down. I've got a better way. And it's beautiful when somebody finally gets that. And so we know this much. The truth isn't very popular. But that's okay, because the truth is still true. Still true. It didn't change. Facts may change, but the truth doesn't change. And that's why Jesus doesn't change, because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth won't change, because Jesus doesn't change. Can we get an amen for Jesus today? Who's glad that Jesus doesn't change? If Jesus had to change, that means somewhere along the way he wasn't perfect. And if he wasn't perfect, he couldn't die to save me from my sins. We never want to question the truthfulness and the perfection of who Jesus is. That's a dangerous ground to trample upon. And I'm going to get to point number three today, and it's this. And I got this from Billy Graham. I was reading an article from Billy Graham about how people could turn on Jesus so quickly. And here's the reason that he gave. He said, their hearts grew cold. Their hearts grew cold. And I have seen this many, many times over the years. Have you ever been in a spot where you've seen someone's heart grow cold? And many of the people that turned on Jesus that week, these are people that had seen him perform miracles and save lives. They had felt his love and his presence, but somewhere along the way, their hearts grew cold and they simply didn't care anymore. And I've seen, man, if I had a nickel for every time that I've seen Jesus totally save somebody's life, and rescue them from destruction. And pull them up and give them another chance. For every time that I've seen people that have witnessed Jesus doing miracles. And they did genuinely love him. But somewhere along the journey, their hearts just grew cold. And they just flat out didn't really care anymore. They didn't, they didn't have much of an interest. And we can look at that and say, what in the world? This guy was lost, but Jesus found him. He was blind, but now he could see. This is a guy that was hopeless, and everybody in the world gave up on him, but Jesus came and picked him up, and he followed Jesus for a little while, and then he kind of just didn't care anymore. 
that crushes me, man. That breaks my heart. When Jesus laid it all on the line and gave it all for somebody, and then they just, they don't even care. Have you ever given something very precious, very valuable to you? You've given it to somebody else, and in the end, they didn't even really care? That kind of crushes you, man. Maybe you gave your heart to someone. Maybe you just gave something, you worked and saved and did everything you could do to get something very precious and give it to someone. And at first they're like, oh, wow, yeah, thank you. Let's go, man, yeah. And then after a while, they just don't even care. Man, that crushes you. That hurts bad. Think about what Jesus goes through on a daily basis. Well, he's Jesus. He don't care. No, man. Study the four Gospels. Jesus had emotions. Jesus wept. In fact, during this one-week period, he went up to the Mountain of Olives and he wept over Jerusalem because he's like, oh my gosh, this place is a mess. And Jesus wept. His heart broke over these people. And so this week that we're studying, how in the world could people say, Praise Jesus! And then four or five days later say, Kill Jesus! He didn't do what we wanted Him to do. Well, their hearts grew cold. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 24 this morning. Matthew 24. Now, if you're familiar with Scripture, Matthew 24 is an end times chapter. It's what we refer to as the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus is walking with the disciples on the, the Mount of Olives, and, and Jesus, uh, you know, they, they say, hey, tell us what the end of the world's going to be like. He's like, all right, pull up a seat. This is going to take a minute. Jesus goes through all of Matthew 24 and into chapter 25 and says, this is what it's going to be like at the end of the world. And that's what this chapter is about. But I want you to see here, Matthew 24... And we'll look here uh, at, at verses 10 through 12. Matthew 24, verses 10 through 12. It says, And many, not a few people, lots of people, will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. What? Jesus literally said that one of the signs of the end times is not only would people turn away from Jesus, they would betray and Christians would hate other Christians. I see it. It's happening. It's a real thing. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Man, we see that. Look at verse 12. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And here's what I'm getting to. And the love of many will grow cold. The love of not just a few, of many people will grow cold. Again, Jesus is speaking of the end times right here, but verses 10 and 12 are exactly what happened to him during the week that we call Holy Week. And everything that we're talking about today are things that happened during that week, but they're also things I'm trying to warn us about so they don't happen in our lives today. I don't want anybody in this room to turn on Jesus or to grow cold on him because he didn't become who you thought in your mind he should become. Or he called you out on something you're doing wrong and now you're like, yeah, I used to do that. I don't do that no more. No, I don't want anybody to be like that. I don't want any of us to turn on Jesus. I don't want our love for him to grow cold because when a person reaches that calloused state of heart, 
It's a very ugly, ugly scene. It's, it's ugly. It's bad. They don't, they don't just turn on Jesus. They turn on other people and they self-destruct. And I've seen it so many times. I've seen a few celebrity divorces lately. Those are always interesting. Where they go on Instagram, you know, uh, just a couple weeks ago and then this past week, get on Instagram and, well, we just fell out of love. We grew apart and started together. And I'm not making fun of that. Hold up. Yes, I am making fun of that. That's disgusting. Now, hey, I get it. You know, there's different causes for divorce. If there's been unfaithfulness or, you know, they beat you up, that's one thing. But to, but it's not a justifiable reason to say, well, I just don't love him anymore. Or, you know what? She doesn't look like she did 10 years ago. That's not a reason to get divorced. Okay, come on. <laughs> come on, somebody. And so... If that's how we handle our relationships and life, people do the same thing to Jesus all the time. There's always this honeymoon period where you give your life to Jesus, and I mean every day. You're like, you're, you feel like you're on top of the world. You feel saved. You feel redeemed. You feel clean. You got the peace and the joy of the Lord. Amen. But I'm just going to tell you right now, that you get several years into this thing, you don't feel it every day. And that's why I don't base my faith on what I feel. I base it upon my trust in Jesus. Because there are some days where old Pastor Dave doesn't have the feels that day. But I can't choose to say, this whole thing's a crock. I don't feel the warm and fuzzies today. And so I just, no, I'm not going to do it today. No, that's when you walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. In your marriage, if you're not feeling it that day, whatever, okay? We don't feel it every day, but we made a commitment. Amen. Hey, it's a covenant. And it's the same way with Jesus. I entered into a covenant relationship with him. He has identified me as a part of the family of God. And I don't get to just say, I don't know feeling and, and leave the family. No, it's not like that. Amen. And so guard your heart from growing cold on Jesus, from getting calloused, from having a hard heart. In fact, the book of Proverbs says, guard your heart above all else because it affects everything that you do. And so, how could people turn from love on Jesus to hating Jesus within a week's time? Well, he didn't become who they thought he should be. He called some of them out on their sins and on their issues, and they got really mad about it. And simply put, their hearts grew cold. Last verse, verse 13 of this same chapter. This is the good news. Amen? This is the good news. You may not be feeling it. Sometimes, you know, people text me and call me, Pastor Dave, I'm going through a dry season. (laughs) It's like sometimes I open the Bible and the words just jump out of the page at me and I feel it. But last this past week, man, I'm not feeling anything. I'm like, you're at a crucial moment in your Christian life. Because now you're at the point where you're going to have to dig a little bit deeper and put a little effort in. When they first discovered gold in California, 
way up there, Sacramento and all that, the gold was so plenteous that when those first people got here in 1848, 49, there was so much gold, they were just picking it up off the ground. Well, after a little while, all the easy stuff had been picked up. Then they had to start digging for it. And I'm just telling you, there's some times as a Christian where, I mean, it's just the gold's laying everywhere. But then you get to a point, wait, I'm going to have to dig in. I'm going to have to study this out. I'm going to have to read a little deeper. I'm going to have to push myself a little bit. But the really great, valuable stuff, it's a little bit beneath the surface. But when you dig into God's Word and you get a life-changing revelation, oh my gosh, it's the most valuable thing in the world. And so Jesus said, yeah, there's going to be sin, and the love of many will grow cold. But then verse 13, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Who's going to endure to the end in here? Jesus endured for me, man. He endured. He went through it. He endured to the end. And Jesus said, hey, there will be times when your heart starts to grow a little bit cold. I felt that happen to me. But as you start to grow, you catch it now. And you're like, wait, no, 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 no. I feel that. No, no, no. And you begin to rekindle the flame in your heart and get back where you need to be. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Amen. Don't we love Jesus today? Hallelujah. And as we enter into this week called Holy Week, you know, Jesus should be at the forefront of your mind all the time. But especially this week, I contend that we should maybe put a little bit, a little bit more time, a little bit more effort into this thing this week and remember what it was that he was going through every single day. Amen. I'm going to have Pastor Josh come on up. We're getting ready to do communion together today. And this is a really real thing, man. By that, by, the, by that good Friday, by the end of that week, man, Jesus had had the last supper with his disciples. And, and he, he's sharing all this with them. And, and he's like, hey, listen, you got to do this. Take and eat. This is my body. It's broken for you. And they didn't fully understand it then, but we should have a good understanding of it now. And I want us today to be thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus made. Can we stand up together today? Amen. I trust that you've received from the word of God today. Amen. So I, I've, I've been teaching on this every time I do communion, which is about three times a month right now. But, you know, and I'm going to keep saying it just until people get it. But communion is one of these holy times as a Christian. It's not a time where you, you know, start looking at the scores, where you start elbowing your friends and talking to them and telling jokes. You know, we joke a lot. We laugh a lot. We, we're sometimes not a very serious place. But communion needs to be a serious and a holy time. It's not a time to joke and laugh and, you know, and do other things. It's a time to focus on Jesus, because he said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And I don't ever want communion to just be a tradition or, well, it's the first Sunday of the month. It's that thing we do. Let's just go. No, it needs to be a very real thing to you that Jesus, by his own free will, came to this earth. He left heaven, man. He had it. He had it really good, right? Living in heaven, streets of gold, river of life, tree of life, everybody loving him. 
to come down to this messed up place, live in these streets. He had a good thing going. And you're like, well, he had to. His dad made him. No, he didn't. Jesus said, no one's taking my life from me. I'm laying my life down as a sacrifice. And so as we take communion, I've always got the picture in my mind of Jesus just being beaten to a bloody pulp. He could have got out of it. Peter tried to rescue him. And Jesus said, man, knock it off. If I wanted, I could ask right now for 12 legions of angels to save me. I could get out of this. Well, a legion would be 6,000. Jesus said, I could have 72,000 angels pull me out of this crucifixion. But he chose to do it. It's a holy thing, man. And so I take communion and the Lord's Supper very seriously. I like to joke, I like to laugh, but I don't like to do it at inappropriate times. And when we receive communion, this is a very appropriate time to give Jesus 100%. Because I found out that people really like it when Jesus gives them 100%. And so I don't have a problem like, hey, yeah, I got, I've got five minutes to fully focus on you. And so let's be holy. Boys in the back, not time to talk. Love you, boys. I don't call people out often. Don't do that. It's communion. All right? And so this morning, let's go ahead and come up as a family and receive the elements. Amen? And then we're going to give Jesus some thanks for what he did. Amen? Let's go ahead, guys.
I'm going to read a little bit out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's our normal communion passage. And it's, uh, you know, it's a serious thing, man. But I love this. So 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, it says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Well, I don't want to sin against anybody in this entire world, but I especially don't want to sin against the body and blood of the Lord. So that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That's why many of you are weak and sick and some people have even died. And so as we examine ourselves today, we want to thank the Lord for the sacrifice he made, no doubt about it. I mean, he said, every time you do this, you're remembering my sacrifice. But also it's a time to examine ourselves. If there's something that the Lord's been dealing with you about, this is a good time to talk to him, a time to repent, a time to say, Lord, help me. I'm trying on this. Can you help me to overcome this thing, this situation, whatever it is. But it's a good time to kind of do business with God for a minute. So let's just take a minute this morning to examine our own lives before we receive the communion elements. So 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. So Jesus, we take this this morning and we understand that this represents your body. This reminds us of the beating that you took before the cross. When those 39 stripes were laid upon your back, you were beaten so we could have peace. And by your stripes, by your wounds, we have been healed. We thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus, in Jesus' name. the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this to remember me 
as often as you drink it. And so, Jesus, we take this today, and we understand that this isn't literally your blood, but it does represent your blood. And, Lord, we thank you that without the shedding of your blood, Lord, there would be no forgiveness of sins because of your sacrifice, because of you shedding your blood. We have been forgiven. We can go to heaven now and call heaven our home and have peace on this earth. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you today for what you did. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to have Pastor Josh lead us in a song here, maybe nothing but the blood. And then... um, In just a minute, we'll offer prayer to anybody that needs prayer. But as we sing this song together today, let's really sing it to him and give some thanks for what he's done in our lives. Amen. Let's sing it together. What can wash away? right with God, but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? All right. Hey, I'm going to have my prayer team come up this morning. If you're here and you need prayer today, we'd love to be in agreement with you and offer prayer to you. But the biggest thing is this, is if you're here and you've never really received Jesus into your life, maybe you've acknowledged him with your head. Yeah, he he was real. He was a good guy. But if you've never received Jesus into your life and had a personal relationship or maybe you did but you kind of walked away from all that but we're not here to judge you for it we're here to say let's fix this thing and so i want to lead us in a prayer today and and then we'll go ahead and and do our uh, prayer time but can we pray this prayer together say father in jesus name i believe in your son jesus i believe that he died that he rose again jesus forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you now. Give me the strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. All right. This is Jose over here raising his hand real big. If you prayed that today and you are interested in really furthering your relationship with Jesus, we've got a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer where we will connect you with someone else from the church for 30 days. They'll text you every day. Uh, they'll pray for you every day. And they'll help mentor you for the first month to get you on the right path. If you're interested in that, please see Jose right after service and we'll get your information. Amen. If you need prayer for anything at all today, anything at all, Please come on up to our prayer team and we would love to pray for you. Amen.
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. I've seen you move, you move the mountains. I believe I'll see you do it again You made a way Where there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again I've seen you move You move the mountains And I believe I'll see you do it again You made a way Where there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again I'll see you do it again still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence that you never failed me your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. I've seen you move, you move the mountains. I believe I'll see you do it again You made a way Where there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again I've seen you move You move the mountains And I believe I'll see you do it again You made a way Where there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again I'll see you do it again
it still stands. How great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. start winding things down here this morning. Did anybody receive from the Word of God today? Amen. All right, well, we're going to close it down. We've got some ministry going on here still, so we'll be reverent to that. But I want to remind you that this coming Sunday is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Amen. So invite somebody, bring them into church, man. They're going to hear the gospel. We've got great kids stuff going on. The kids are doing a little performance musically. And then uh, we're going to have a family photo booth. So this is a great chance to get a good uh, family photo while you're all dressed up together. And then, uh, of course, there's the egg hunt right after service. we got a couple thousand eggs that scattered across the lawn out there. Well, the rocks. And we're going to go ahead and do that. And it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. So don't miss next Sunday. It's going to be off the charts. Incredible. All right, we got service night at 6 o'clock. Uh, Pastor, or as I call him, Dad, uh, he's going to be speaking about how to... Con- uh, <laughs> he just told me 30 seconds ago. Stability. Stability. Emotional stability. Amen. How to have control of the soul. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and close things out. Let's pray real quick. Father... Oh, wait. She's got... Oh. <laughs> I'll get scared when I get a microphone in my hand. I love them. Aren't they nice? They're so nice. And the picture of Jesus snuggling the lamb. That's really good and special. Listen, can I tell you something right now? Your dad is going to talk to you tonight. And if you have struggled with your attitude or your attitude towards people, you better get your behind in a seat tonight. So thank you, Pastor Dave, for the invite. Here's me telling you, Dad's talking and you better listen. So get here tonight. It starts at 6. If you're here later than 6, then you're late. Dad said get to church tonight, okay? Amen. (laughs) You don't have to amen me. I'll amen me. Which picture of Jesus do you think she likes? Bullwhip Jesus or lamb Jesus? Someone told me one time when Pastor Dave (laughs) preached on peace that they said that they were going to make a t-shirt that said, I've got that table flipping piece. That was, that I'm was just Megan, saying. I think. <laughs> anyway, it's a good picture of Jesus. Amen, amen. The reality of that Jesus is this, though. That he stands for what is right. That's right. And he doesn't mince his words. He handles it. And so there's no way that any of us, knowing what's getting preached tonight, can sit at home and have issues when you know where the help is coming from. There you go. So you better get to church. Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to close in prayer and then do our Barstow faith confession. Parents, uh, the kids did their little general store thing today. So 
Kids are going to be upstairs getting their prizes for the points they've earned over the last month. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray together today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much uh, for what we've seen in the word today. And Lord, what this day represents that you willingly rode down into Jerusalem knowing that the week would end in your crucifixion, but ultimately end in your resurrection. And we love you and we thank you for that today. Lord, use us this week to be a good witness. And Lord, help each of us find somebody that we could bring into the house of God this coming Sunday and they could hear the good news that Jesus is alive and that he loves them and he wants to be a part of their life too, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Can everybody say amen? All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow and then you can be dismissed. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight.